welcome to our podcast, The Millennial Girl Way, the podcast that highlights real millennial women doing the damn thing. Um, today on our show, we have special guest Ashley Copeland. I had Hi. the pleasure. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting Ashley at a women's empowerment brunch over a year ago, and it's been really nice to see her brand flourish. Um, Ashley is the young millennial who took the teachings from her upbringing and combined it with her drive to make it a point to live by her own rules. Ashley became an investor, homeowner, and financial guru all before the age of 30. She is also a host of the podcast Stacks in the City, which focuses on financial tips and guidance for women. Um, so Ashley, why don't you start by, you know, Telling us. Oh, that bit. sounds really good. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Good. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your background? Sure. So I was originally born in Hampton Roads, Virginia. And when I was nine, my parents split up and we moved into a double wide in rural North Carolina. So we were from we came from maybe like a from a working class family to a a poor family well, quote-unquote poor. My mom worked two jobs and still um, made income below the poverty line. We didn't really have a lot of material things, but I feel like my mom taught us a lot about, like, even though we're poor on paper, we're rich in spirit. So ways to be to be wealthy within your soul inside. And I think that's where a lot of my, well, I've always been very determined and driven and ambitious, but that's where I really came from. So when I was 16, I started working at Cracker Barrel, and that was my first my first hint of what financial independence and financial freedom looked like because I didn't have to ask anyone for money anymore and I could get whatever I wanted but um yeah. I bought an iPod Nano my first check and I'm like this is it <laughs> I felt sad I'm like wow my money's all gone for this one little piece mm. I don't even have it anymore <laughs> so I just started saving all my money I saved everything I had and I, I really only bought like extreme necessities like necessities mm-hmm. and when I turned 20 21 22 I opened up my first Roth IRA with about ten thousand dollars Oh, wow. What prompted you to do that? Because I know at 21, a lot of people, um, even myself, you know, when, when I was that age, I probably wasn't even on that track, I guess, um, thinking about money yet. What, what prompted you to start investing your money? I, I read about it. I, I was always interested in figuring out what people did to get wealthy or people, how people got rich. Mm-hmm. And I read that people either buy houses or they invest in the stock market. And at the time, I didn't think I could buy a home. I think cause I, was, I was an undergrad. So I'm like, it doesn't make sense to buy a home. And I, I didn't really have a good, I mean, I didn't really have a good example or a good idea of how to invest in the stock market either. But <laughs> I went to the bank and I, and I went to get more information. And next thing I know, Chuck, the, my financial advisor at the time, is telling me about a Roth IRA, which I never, I never heard about. Mm-hmm. And I just said, okay. I don't know why. I was like, all right. I I, I took a leap. I said, yeah, I took a huge leap of faith. I'm like, give this man $10,000. But it worked out. It, it 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 really, really, it really has worked out. Over, like over time, it definitely has worked out. You know, I think that the younger we are, it's on, it's probably better to be, you know, a little more risky with our investments. Like yes. this is time, you know, we don't have family, yes. and, you know, people that yeah. want us just yet. So it's like, that's awesome. That yeah. You, like, you know what? It's true. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're right. The younger you are, the easier. Like, 
your life isn't as complicated the younger you yeah. are. As you get older, your life and your finances continue to get complicated. Mm-hmm. And we could always have excuses for why we can't. Like I know a lot of people are, who, if they're in the relationships, like, oh, well, they have a, a partner, so they can do that. Or they have a, they always be like, well, what, what do you have? We all have something. I didn't have any of those things. I was still able to make it happen, but I was very, very determined, very yeah. determined to not, I didn't want to live in poverty anymore. That was really what my motivator was. No offense. I couldn't, that wasn't my life. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. You know, I think that none of us were really born with a silver spoon in our mouth, if you will. And so, um, yeah being able to see that and then went into kind of, you know, upward mobile, if you want, if you will, um, into a different stratosphere of life and, and wealth. I think that's really important for, for us to first understand and then make the necessary steps to achieve. Um, Definitely. So you own two homes in DC, I believe. Yes. Yes. I own two. Okay, and that that's awesome for, you know, someone who I feel like is, what are you like, 27? Actually, yeah, I'm 28 now. Yeah, 28. Yeah, I mean, I that's, that's amazing for you know this market in DC, which it continues to climb. Um, yeah, how did you first of all go about understanding that you wanted to own a home and then catapulting that into owning multiple? Yeah, so it's all about reading, like, that was really the only, the only thing I had was literacy even like even when I was you know five years old I've always been an avid reader and as I've gotten older I started I, I read a lot more nonfiction. I used to read a lot of novels and I'm reading a lot of how-to books but I used to read a lot and I still do I read blogs I read the afford anything blog and she did it she did a lot of real estate hacking real estate investing she she's like a huge real estate and I highly recommend her platform if you want to get started because she's very normal too and she owns like five I think properties in the Atlanta area and she just breaks down it's like it's kind of like a diary almost of her process because as as she grows her blog she's also growing her you know her homes as well she's explaining what happens and some of the bad things and the great things so I just read these these people's stories I love reading people's stories about what they did and I I copy it it's the same thing to me as we're on YouTube and someone gives us a a Fenty Beauty review and yeah. they tell us that it's good and you should go try it. So what are we going to do? We go out and we try it ourselves and they give you a good review. She did the same thing. She gave me a good review of the housing market. So I decided to try it myself. I had the money saved for it. I did some research on it. I was, I was afraid. I was definitely scared to pull the trigger and actually buy because uh, I wanted to do it when I was like 23, I think. And I was just scared. And I felt the same, you know, DC is too expensive. I can't afford it. I don't even know why I'd even try. But I never even tried. So why? I didn't even try. And uh, I, I met a really fantastic um, real estate agent in D.C. Her name is Alex Ardenia. And she helped she kind of – I need people to push. Especially at that time, I need people to push me. She pushed <laughs> me to get it. I really – I needed help. I'm not going to lie. I really needed someone like – because Chuck did, like my investment person did. And she pushed me to do it, to just sign, sign the papers. And I did it. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> No, thank you. Thank you. Exciting to talk to somebody who is taking those leaps and actually doing this because um, just like, you know, you said you needed somebody to push you. I think her and I, we need, we need to hear these stories because we need people to push us. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do. And I think it's okay. Those things are okay. And honestly, I don't even think I've even talked about that part enough Mm -hmm. because I was really, really scared. And I was scared to the point where I was going to walk out. 
like both times, like for both of those, like is my second home, not so much because I had a better idea of what was going on. But the first time, oh my God, it's the, it's the scariest time. It's also the hardest time because there's so much that you don't know. Yeah. But it's like when you're in this room and you're sitting there and these people are telling you allegedly about something called return and they're asking you for a check. I mean, what are you going to do? You can walk out, but it's kind of weird because you got to go back because that was my bank. I had to I go there. So I was like, well, take the money. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you really, like, it does help. You know, it really does help to have something, someone on the other side encouraging you to do these things. Who knows who has seen it, who's experienced it. Not some, like, not your friend who's, like, they're going to encourage you, but they can't really make you pull the trigger because they haven't really experienced it. Yeah, very true. Um, so what are, you know, some basic financial tips that you would give to millennial Ooh. women who are just starting yes. to build their wealth? Yes, yes. Oh, I have so many. So uh, for me, it's, it is very important. So I always, I always talk about what wealth, I love, my niche is wealth building. That's how I, I want to talk about wealth building all day long. But it's, it's, it's like a house. It really is. You have um, your, your land. You have your foundation of a home, and then you have the actual home. People want the home with the fancy countertops, all that, when they have holes in their land or their foundation shaky. And the land is your debt. How much debt do you have? Do you have any control of your debt? The foundation is your knowledge of your financial knowledge. How, how are, you, are you expanding that? Have you started learning about it? And the home is the wealth building part, the stuff that everyone gets to see, the stuff that gets to grow, the stuff that's pretty and cute. Yeah, you know, the land and the foundation is the most important part. So when you're first getting started, I always tell people to look at everything, all of your accounts. Just take a look. Do you know how much money do you have in your bank account? A lot of people don't really know. They don't want to know. They're scared. Like, well, how are you spending all this money, but you don't even know what you got? Like, that's, that's not good. So take a look. Log into your bank account. Look at what you have. Log into your student loans. It's never, it's never as bad as it looks. I had a friend who owes like $80,000. She didn't really know how much she owed, but she logged in and she looked at how they broke it down. And, you know, she's like, you know, it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it was. They always, oh they gosh. have your debt broken down so that I know. Right. But I mean, my thing, you put, you took out those loans so you can, right. you can pay them back. Right. And she right. felt, and she knew that so it really, and she knew how she had an idea. So it's, it's really not, it's never as bad as it looks. So I was hoping to look at your account. My second tip is to use cash. And that's what I'm, I'm actually currently doing that right now. And it's great because my spending has gotten a little out of control over my little hot girl summer. Yeah. So I had to, yeah, I know, right? I know. We're in there. We're in the game. So I had to scale back a little bit. So I'm not using any of my credit cards. I'm not using my debit card, only cash. And it really helps you see how much you're, it really helps you. You really know how much you're spending or, you know, how out of control it is. Because I, yeah, yeah it's, it's more under control now. And you, it's hard to break a 20. You don't want to break 20s, 50s, or 100s. Yep. So the stuff that you usually will get, you put it back because you don't want to see it go. Like I, and you don't like change. Like I get, cash is great. Cash is phenomenal. And um, another tip I recommend, say 5% of your bank account or your check into a savings account that you have zero access to. So let's yep. say you have a PNC bank. Open up a city bank and just automate 5%. You're not going to miss that money. Mm -hmm. Think about it. And so like a thousand dollars is 50 bucks. That money adds up so, so fast. That's so fast. And that's how you can automatically start building savings and you're not even trying, no effort. Yes. Um, I, you know, I have a percentage of my check 
come off the top into a bank account. So it's like, I never even see that money. And I just, whatever good. goes to my checking is what I use. So yeah, that is a really good. Good, good. There's a lot of money we don't see. That's the other thing. People are like, they can't do it. But I'm like, well, the government could take theirs. You know, they take their money before you see your check. They're not, they don't trust mm-hmm. you to pay because they know you won't. <laughs> they take their Medicaid. They take the Social Security that we may not or may not get. They take every. They take money before you, you might as well do the same thing, but, but let it right. benefit you because the government gets theirs. And I, when, I, when I saw how much money, right, when I saw how much money comes out of my check, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I took some money out for myself too. So with the, the financial tips and tricks that you've learned, what are some, because I know there's like a lot of tips that people give out there that reasons to not invest or to not save up your money. What are some of the common yeah. like, that you've encountered that you've actually debunked based on like your own experiences? The, like the common myths of why people should not do like stock mm-hmm. market investing or, oh yeah, okay. You can lose all your money. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who said that? I, and I think I'm like, well, or, or the, what if you look, and the people who say that thing, you have to check the source of where you're getting your information from, because the people who are saying you're going to lose all your money are the people, or like, what if you lose all your money are the people who don't even have any investment. I want to talk to people who do. And usually they're like, oh my God, it's great. Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> That's what I hear. It's like a silent majority. So you're getting, if you're getting your sources from like CNBC or Fox Business, no offense to them, but their job is to sensationalize and add a little bit of entertainment to a very dry topic. So I try not to get my resources and information from them. I look at the charts on like Yahoo News or on my phone or mm-hmm. um, there's a couple apps that I haven't used that I'm, I'm going to use to see. Like, and you, the line always goes up. The line has gone down, but it goes up. Even, like, and stock market investing is long term. It's like running a marathon. You know, you're going to be days where you don't want to do it. You're not going as fast. But... <laughs> you're going to end up completing it in the long run. You have to think, zoom out and think big picture. And right. the stock market in America has been around since like the late ni- 19th century. And it hasn't shown any signs of going anywhere. If anything, it's been more and more robust. So why would it stop all of a sudden? Because you want to invest in the market. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me if you think about it that way. So that's, that's a huge myth that I think should be debunked. Another myth uh, particularly in DC area is that you know, it's impossible to buy a home. It is not impossible, but it is very hard. I will say it, it is hard to buy a home here. It is hard, but it's absolutely not impossible. You just have to be a little bit more realistic about what you want. Mm-hmm. People want flex homes. They want Instagram worthy homes where they are, you know, beautiful kitchens and multiple bathrooms. And, like you're not going to get that with the budget, with your little federal salary, not at least right. not in the city <laughs> or even else. You're not going to get that. That's true. But mm-hmm. what sacrifices are you willing to make in order to have a home that when you purchase your second one, you purchase one that's a little bit that has more of your wants mm-hmm. that you're able to do that? Because when you have a home, the first time it's easier to get more of what you want. Mm-hmm. So for me, my home is not in the best neighborhood in D.C. I got, you know, it's not the best, but it's, I know that it's, it's um, well, it is gentrifying, but that's another story. Right. But the, my home, my housing value is going up. My property value is going up. And you know, I really wanted, I wanted something bigger. My home is not that big. I have a roommate. I have one bathroom. I really want it too. But I still, I said yes anyway, because I knew that long-term I wasn't going to live there forever. I knew long-term it was going to go, my, my value was going to go up. Long-term I could get tenants who live there and I could charge way more than I'm paying in my mortgage. So I knew that it was a sound investment. A lot of people don't want to think that way. You know, that's, that's honestly key because I live in New York. So same situation with the- Yeah, um, oh my gosh. Pricing. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to buy. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and I yeah. love one of my friends, him and his girlfriend recently bought a property and, you know, with mm-hmm. two, you know, incomes, they had this, you know, newly finished kitchen, new floors, new bathroom. I'm like, Oh, I want those things too. And I was Ooh. searching, could never find anything. And just recently, I think I had to realize that, you know, well, what is the purpose of what I'm trying to do? Am I trying yeah. to buy a house yeah. to or am I trying to make this important investment? And so I had to kind of give myself a reality check, like, okay, yeah. well, this is your budget. And you can't look at other people who are maybe, you know, no. purchasing for other reasons. Like I have to be smart about right. the purpose of what I'm right. trying to do. Right. You have, you know, the flex will always be there. The flex will mm-hmm. never go away. It never goes away. But are you, are you financially ready for it? And are you doing it for the right reasons? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And yeah, it's great that you stop yourself because now you're like, okay, well, maybe that's not where I'm at right now, but I will get there. So I can get, right. I can get something that's still going to be a sound investment. This and that. Maybe I can fix it up later. I can, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah. Everything you said was definitely, that was, that was spot on. Yeah, I think you know definitely putting your expectations into to to reality is is important. Yeah, you know? we all do way too much. That's why I got houses anyway. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What? <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It really is. What would you say to someone who's a little bit more risk averse? Um, what are the different mm-hmm. ways you think that they could kind of start the whole process? So. In my opinion, honestly, if you are if you are into the journey of becoming a wealth builder, you have to have you have to be willing to take some risk. Mm-hmm. You cannot be risk averse. Being risk averse means that you're thinking like our grandparents did. You're, you keep all your cash under a mattress. Yep. You're you know, you're afraid that the next stock market crashes. Like that's how that generation or my grandfather was born the twenty. Yeah, that's how that generation thinks. But um, you can't do that. You can't do that and expect to have money or expect to be wealthy. So that's the first thing. If you are risk averse, you should be, you should do some research on why like you really need to read. You do need to be a little risky. That's yeah. yeah. But if you're risk averse, you just start saving money. That's it. Yeah. And read. Cause you can't be risk averse in this game. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to take a small risk. Yeah. yeah I'd agree Maybe it's that. like, for me, it's like, yeah. Like jumping off of a bed. Jump off your bed versus like skydiving. That's your risk. <laughs> if you're risk averse. Right. Yeah. You're not ready to skydive, but you can jump off your bed. But you're not going to go very far, right? Right. But at least, but people who are scared wouldn't do that in the first place. So if you're doing that, you see it's okay. That's a good thing. That's great. That means that you're, right. that means that you're about to, you know, you will be able that your risk should only scale as your money gets bigger. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. So you can start, you have to start somewhere. Right. That's true. Um, so, you know, with your journey, your pathway to a net worth of over 100K, um, what have, like, what obstacles have you encountered along the way? Have you lost money in certain aspects? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so my first property, the first one I bought was a really bad investment. I should have bought that place off the jump. My real estate agent, you told me not to buy it, but I made me most of purchase, what I would, I would never recommend. And there are, uh, especially when it comes to wealth like building, um, earning money. So what, hap- what ended up happening is um, the house was going under assessment. I don't know. I, basically, it means that they weren't doing, the building wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. So now they have to spend all this money on repairs. And that meant that your condo dues would go up. Mm-hmm. And my condo dues were going to go up to like $600. And that would have been ridiculous. I, I couldn't find a tenant. I wanted to do Airbnb. They said no. I didn't really have all plans on finding a tenant. I had to find a tenant. I was spending money on my rent. 
um, at the time and on um, my mortgage. I was trying to renovate it. I was doing the most. I lost my job because of that. Like, I was doing way too much. And, um, I mean, I got a tenant, though. It worked out. Like, it worked out in the long run. But even <laughs> now, I'm not earning as much each month as I could have if I were more – if I would have ran numbers on the home um, – if I would have ran the numbers, like there's like numbers that you do, like the 1% rule is a really easy number, like um, indicator if the home is going to be profitable. Like there's a lot of things you could do to predict if the home is going to be worth investing in. Yeah. And I did not do that. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't really know about it at the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't good, but I did it again. I tried again. And this time, like the home I have now, really the condo I have is great. Like I, every, and I, but I actually did those things that you're supposed to do. Okay. And the value is going up. Like everything is working out with that property. Sometimes, you know, like real estate oh, is such a scary like industry to me because of yeah. how much money you are getting invested up front, you know. But you like going through that process and saying, okay, well, maybe this first, you know, time that I got into it didn't hit the way that I thought it would, but I'm still going to continue to go after it anyways. Yeah. And a lot of the times I'm seeing that it's really just a time game. You know, the more time that you have in it, maybe you can turn the the property around, you know? So, yeah, everything you said, exactly. It's not, you know, we look at something about, oh, this building has failed. Oh, no. You go in my corner. You can go in your corner, but you can go in the corner for like half a minute. Maybe I'll give you five minutes to wallow. And then you have to look at it and figure out big picture what happened and what went wrong and how you can make it better. And when you look at it from afar, it's not like you're not beating yourself up. You're not like you're looking at the home in an objective way. You're like, oh, well, maybe I should have done this better or maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have done that part. And you apply that and you do it in your next home. Yeah. And like I said, the home I have now is, has worked out so much better. It's, yeah. you know, I'm earning way more money on it. it. The property value is going up. I plan on using something called HELOC, so taking a home equity line of credit to purchase another home probably within the next oh, wow. year. So now I don't even have to save any more physical money in order to have money mm-hmm. to invest, which is great. And that's a wealth building tech strategy that a lot of people have done. So I'm like, wow, I'm in a position where I can do that. So now all of my money, everything I'm earning isn't going to home values anymore. It's going a little bit to the stock market, but more into growing my brand and my business. Yep. So um, if you could, you know, if you were 20 or 21 years old again, what would you, yeah. advice would you give yourself about stability and wealth? I would say, you know, Ashley, you can chill a little bit on the saving. I used to, my saving used to be out of fear. Like I was afraid that if I didn't have money, that I would move back to North Carolina. It was a lot of fear, which I don't know. That's not, like my mind space then is very different than it is now. So um, the reason why I was able to save so much money was really, I was just very scared. And I, there was nothing, I was like, there's nothing I want. I don't want anything. All I want and yeah, it was very, very channeled tunnel vision. So I would say, you know, chill. You can, you know, you don't have to eat pizza, like free food every day. <laughs> I was really, I was doing the most. And I would, don't, don't, that because it's stressful. And yeah. And I should have went, like, there's some things I should have done. I should have went to more, um, like, family events. I missed all my, all my missed out on my cousin's wedding and I missed out on a lot of Thanksgivings and a lot of Christmases because I was working so much uh-huh. and in theory it worked out because I'm so blessed where I still have family that my family's still living and we still are able to have those gatherings 
But there's still a lot of you. There's a lot of things I missed out on. My siblings were, oh yeah, you weren't there. Like that's that a lot, a lot. You weren't there, so you don't remember that. Or, oh, we went to oh, like one of the last um, vacations with my my grandfather, my dad's dad, was in the Outer Banks. They went to like the Outer Banks or something, and I wasn't able to go. I was working, and my siblings say that, oh yeah, you weren't you weren't there. You were at work. Oh, and then oh. my grandfather, he had passed. He had passed probably a, maybe six months later. Mm-hmm. If that, like, these are those are the things I missed out on because I was so obsessed with saving money. Okay. So maybe you know, maybe your maybe you know, maybe your journey to wealth building won't be like that with that much sacrifice. And I don't think it should be, but um, it does take some sacrifice. But I I kind of wish I wasn't doing all that. Honestly, I do. Okay. Okay. So do you? Yeah, I'm being honest. Would you would you have advised yourself? So you're saying, you know, just maybe take a breather and, you know, put. I would say chill and see your family. Personal. Okay. Yeah, chill. Like you're 16. The, your restaurant job <laughs> isn't going to be pressed that you're not there. It's not That's that deep. So true. Be more strategic yeah. with your strategies than just. Say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's sound advice. Um, yeah. Because we look back on things that we missed out on, and we're like, "Oh, damn! I wish I would have, you know." Yeah. Been there for and that. And if people don't exactly, and that goes for so many things. The market too. People, are, oh, we should did, we should have. Oh, I hate when people say this. Oh, we should have cashed it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> like really? Right. People. Oh, I hear that so much. Amazon stock's like two thousand dollars. Yeah. And. I think in 2015, it was like 300. Like y'all weren't paying for it. Y'all weren't going to pay for that either. Oh, right. Yes, oh, the Bitcoin. Marijuana stock. Why don't you do some read? Like, where are you getting this information from? I thought I always, where are you getting your information from? Yeah. Oh, I just heard. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> your advice isn't as sound to me because you heard. <laughs> right, exactly. That is so true. <laughs> we see that a lot on, on, especially on social media nowadays, these fake wealth builders. It's like, okay, well, show me, you know, uh, what you've actually done, what investment yeah. instead of talking about, like, what everybody yeah. else should be and doing. why, mm-hmm. why, or what mm-hmm. articles have you read that say this, or where, who have you talked to? Have you talked to any investment advisors who have done it themselves? Usually the answer is no, so I don't listen to those people. I really don't. And a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of flack over the years for being like that, but mm-hmm. I really don't listen to people who, who don't understand my vision, who are negative about it that oh, we just don't understand or who yeah. haven't experienced it themselves so I, I don't have time to hear that because they don't they just don't they don't see what I'm seeing so your advisors are an integral part of wealth building so oh, yeah that is something that I that I'm looking for now really great advisors that I feel like could put me on yeah. the next level because I obviously don't know it all you know so yeah yeah well yeah so for me, um, you know, I worked in the, the advising space. I wasn't an advisor, but I was on my, like, I was on a track to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the advisors can be a great source for, for you. But if you're just starting out, it might be a little hard for you to find somebody who, um, who, actually, um, who actually was willing to, like, take you in. Mm-hmm. When I was 20, I was probably, I was an undergrad. So I was 21. I was looking, I was looking for people to help me advise my money because I wanted them to manage everything. But I didn't have, like $10,000 isn't a lot of money. It's, it's, they, it's laughable. They yeah. wanted 50000 especially in D.C. area, they wanted half a million, a million dollars in assets for them to even consider Oof. you. Yeah, because they, because they, they earn money off of you too. That's why I'm like, you know, right. the, 
everyone's going to win. You want to give people your money because they're going to make sure that it's um, they want to make sure that you're you're going up because they're getting a cut of that too. Right. So they don't want you know five percent of ten ten thousand, but they can get five percent of five hundred thousand or ten million. That's yeah. where they're at. So it was really hard to get started, but you can you can start yourself. It, honestly, if you open up a Robinhood account, at, which I don't have, I have Fidelity Fidelity account, and mm-hmm. look up a couple index funds and buy them yourself, then that's what they do too. They do the same thing. They okay. have like fancy research and stuff, but we have the internet and it's the same. Like it's great research. They have really great research. Like Motley Fool is a really great place to look at stocks and, and they explain things in a very, um, a very concrete way. I've read books. Like I'm starting to manage my own accounts, which is why I recommend that you do the same. It's not, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. And especially yeah. when you're first starting out, you're not getting all those fees. There's businesses and financial advisors that will help millennials or people who don't have as much money. Stash Wealth is a great example. So if you don't want to do it at all, I recommend going to Stash Wealth to, to manage your money because they manage smaller assets. Okay. Thank you for that info. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I see that you attend many talks and panels to give advice yeah. to other millennial women. Uh, did you yeah, always see yeah. yourself doing this? No, not at all. No, I think it's fine. I said it. I'm a very different like mind space, mind space now than when I was like in my early 20s. I was afraid. I used, I used to think that you go to college and you have a a really nice fancy career. I wanted to be a public servant. I thought I was going to work on Capitol Hill, and I'm I'm 28 now. So I thought at this point I was going to be working for Cory Booker's campaign. Like I had it in my head, 2011. I was working for Cory Booker, and I and you know I thought that's or I was going to be an attorney working for his campaign, and right. eventually being in the White House, and you know that it it didn't work out for me. And I tried a lot, I've tried a lot of things. I tried to go to law school, I tried to work in PR, I tried and I, none of those things worked out for me. Yeah. And I I really I truly believe that if you if you pay attention to the failures or the things that don't work out, it is God either putting you where you're supposed to be, or God you know slapping you on the wrist like no that's not where I, that's not what I got for you like keep your eyes open yep and yeah. I've always wanted to help people with their money a lot of people have especially after I bought my second home because I usually don't I don't talk about what I do a lot like I never really talked about saving money or I just do it because I don't I've never been one for social media especially before starting sex in the city but I really want to help people I, if I'm telling you if I can do it Anybody can, because I didn't have, I had every card stacked against me that you can think of. Like, looking back and looking back and zooming out and see, I'm in a different world than I was when I was a teenager. Everything, like everything was against me. My parents used to ask me for money sometimes. I, I didn't have a car growing up. I, so it, it was like a 20 minute drive, 15, 20 minute drive to get to Cracker Barrel where I used to work. And my school was from 8 to 5 p.m. And there were so many ways, reasons, excuses I could have said to not want to save money. But I didn't use those as excuses. I just, I did what I had to do to get the life that I, that I knew I was supposed to have. We're all supposed to have really fun lives, but we have to work for them. A lot of people don't want to work for them, I think. Or we accept the lives that are given to us. I never took that. I never accepted my life. I liked my life, but <laughs> I knew there were better. I knew there was better for me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have the language to explain it then. And I was a little afraid. I was, I was scared to share those parts of me, but. I know that they can help people. So if, if I, if, if God has put me on this earth to help, then I need to start putting some work in to do that. I agree. And I mean, it seems like it's something you're very passionate about. Um, And it, how important is it for you to, to not only educate, you know, um, 
other young women, but to also, because I've, you know, listened to your podcast, I know you have other guests, like, how important is that for you to make sure that other young millennials are just as educated um, in the financial industry as you are? It's very, that's very important, because, you know, to me, you know, we talk about social injustices everywhere, you know, education and justice, justice, everything, like everything's an injustice in America. But we always seem to negate speaking on the injustices with financial, with our finances or with the housing market and how we were denied. Like, to, for example, the GI Bill gave white um, soldiers housing uh, after returning from the Second World War, but black people did not get the same bill. So they're already able to build wealth with homes that they're able to pass to children, us, millennials. We're, we're the kids of, of baby boomers, so they're passing on their homes to us, but Black people didn't have that. And that's, that's, that's terrible, right? Yeah. And the thing is, when you're able to build wealth for yourself, when you're able to build wealth for yourself, you're able to give back to the causes that you care about. Like, in, you know, in church, I, I grew up in the church, and we were taught that money is the root of all evil. Money's so bad. Well, I always thought, like, how is money so bad when y'all over here running the collection plate twice a day? I don't mm-hmm. get that. How is money yeah. so bad when you need it to, like, eat in this country and to go on field trips and to learn you need money so that makes sense to me it ain't ain't that bad what people do with it is bad but the money itself is not so when you're able to become a millionaire multi-millionaire or be like a philanthropist like oprah you can donate to the causes that you care about or you can give to the causes you can you have the power you have more power more leverage and more autonomy to use your voice to talk about what you want to talk about and that's what rich people do all the time they do it all the time Mm -hmm. you may or may not listen to them you may or may not agree with them, but you know they got the money and you don't, and people are listening to them and not you. <laughs> and I was I was very cognizant, seriously, very cognizant of that, and I want to be wealthy so that I can give back to the causes I care about. And for me, it's going to be helping. You know, I want to help people. I want to help schools. Like I want to I want to build a the rec center for my high school I went to. I want to mm-hmm. like I, there's things I want to do with my money. I want to get yeah. calculators. I, yeah, these are what I want to do. Yeah. You know, if Ellen DeGeneres can give to her dogs, which is not just the cause she cares about, I want to give to the causes I care about. But we need more people like me who have been in those situations, who yeah. can ex- articulate them and who can talk about their personal experiences to have the money to help fix it. Yes. Economics is very important. Oh my gosh, you're like speaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm saying I, I feel the same way. I think that whenever you get to a point, um, that you have more resources. Like for me, it's very important to, you know, kind of give back and help build other people up as well. And so you speaking and saying that, you know, you feel like that's a purpose of yours. I'm sitting here like, girl, this totally resonates, you know, because I feel (laughs) Um, unless you can help a generation of people, then, I mean, what did you really do it all for? You know what I'm saying? So. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So, you know, what can we expect from Ashley next? I do, I do have a couple of events that are in the works right now that are going to be okay. in D.C. So um, oh, I want to do a, yeah. So one, one benefit, one advantage that I did have was that I graduated from college with no debt. And I did not get any other consumer debt. I really, like I said, I really always this moment. I'm like, I knew this was a gift. I knew it was a gift. <laughs> so I'm going to leverage it in a way that will work, that will be advantageous. So mm-hmm. I, um. I want, but I do, I do know that a lot of people are struggling with debt and I want to get a panel of women who have had debt and 
talk about how they've been able to combat that. So we're working on a debt panel right now. I want to do some other like wealth building, wealth building workshops for there's a, there's a growing number of women who are doing Dave Ramsey's baby steps, which I highly recommend Uh, trying to get out of debt, pushing out of debt. Like I've seen it's amazing. These women, I'm like, if y'all are able to to pay $50,000 a year, yeah, you can save $50,000 a year too. So I want to do some debt series. And also I want to do more, like, I love, I love style and fashion. You know, DC, my girlfriend has really inspired me to get better at like, dressing and doing it in a way that makes you feel good about mm-hmm. yourself. So I want to teach people how to do that as well, but also do it on budget. Like I said, I, I, had, I don't have a lot of clothes, but I have a lot of different patterns and some stuff like that. So I can like mix and match. So I want to, I want to, I want to teach people how to do that too. You know, feel your best and look your best and do your best in a way that is always financially sound. That's, that's ultimately what I want to do. I want to help people feel good yeah, about themselves. I like that. Yeah. In some aspect of their lives. Yeah. And I think that whole, you know, looking great, feeling great on a budget is really important as well because, you know, we all like to look good, but let's be honest out here. All these products people are don't be so feeling- <laughs> People don't be feeling great. Maybe look at it though. People in DC love their, their Argyle socks. Oh my god, that never full bag. No, I hate that bag. No offense. They just be out here flexing away. So bad. But their bank accounts are just dehydrated. And I'm like, y'all, this isn't even a good look. It doesn't even. That's it's not even as cute anymore. Cause y'all, yeah, you don't feel good on the inside because you're spending so much money looking nice right. on the outside. Right. It's so funny, but it's so true, and that's why we have you here because. We are trying to help spread the word to other young millennials. You're teaching us stuff and hopefully, you know, our listeners will, they'll take in what you're saying and take it seriously and um, kind of re-refocus their priorities, I think. Yeah. yeah. If, you know, people, here's the thing, you may not be ready to be a homeowner. You may, and that's yet. That's the thing is yet, not ever, not yet. It's a difference. True. And that may be true, but if you start, you have to start somewhere. Those who are really wealthy like those who have built wealth on their own even your if, if you look at the stories of bill gates if you look at the stories of oprah if you really look at their stories they're living below jay-z they're living below their means too mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. looks there's the scale is different but they don't really go they're not coming out here spending blue cops of money that they don't have even when they were just starting out jay you know jay-z was like hustling and he used his drug dealing money to start his um his music company, mm-hmm. his record sorry his record label. He used that money to do that instead of blowing it on cars. And that's the thing. His, the mentality starts young, it starts early. So you can you can start or you can switch what you think, but that's really the way to build wealth. That's it's how you do it. Yeah, you know what? For, I'm gonna take a you know I want to kind of <laughs> based on what you just said. Can we talk about how people are out here, you know, spending beyond their means and really yeah. kind of in our culture, um, we don't celebrate the whole living below your means and really using your yeah. money for, for why. That sounds te- because that sounds terrible. Who wants yeah. to do that? <laughs> that sounds awful. Because to me, what people are thinking is, oh, well, I don't have that. I can't have that. And people aren't really looking at their money in any way to go, well, they're using their money or any sources of, of, of cash or credit as a means to getting the material things 
so that they could look nice or feel nice, even if it's temporary. There's right. so many ways to to get stuff. If I want it right now, I could go. I really want a Chanel Classic Slap. I could go and get the bag right now on credit. Do I have the cash to to purchase it? That's questionable. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's five thousand dollars. Do I really have that kind of coin? But you can easily swipe your credit card, or they even you can open up a, a Neiman Marcus account and pay it off. It's so easy, and yeah. more people are telling you to do that than telling you, well, maybe you should just save five dollars every check. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Right. You know, we're yeah. what we're told. We're told to spend, spend, consume, consume. We're, that's what we're told to do everywhere. That's what commercials are. In fact, when you watch Jimmy Fallon or anything, you're always they're promoting something. They're promoting a movie. They're promoting, which is nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But we're right. always being, we've been taught to spend but we're, before we were five. So that's what we naturally will do. There's not a people telling you to, well, you know, live below your means or save. Because we don't know, A, why we're doing it. Or B, no one else is doing it, so why would I even try that? Right. But the reason why you that's do true. it is so that you don't have to work anymore. That's why that's what retirement is, not work. Yeah. Not work again and still get money. That's what retirement means. To not work and still get money to live your life. Mm-hmm. Talk we'll people, talk about that, what that looks like, what that feels like. And that's that's what you want to focus on. That feeling of what financial freedom can do for you. Or not, and not the now. Your paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. That feeling is great. It's amazing because you're no anxiety comes from, you know, you forget when it's past. I used to forget when it was payday. I'm like, Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you like. Imagine how that feels. Right. A lot of people cannot, but think about it. Think about what that would make you like more time with your family. You can go visit your people, you can go vacations. That's what you want to focus on. That's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Not scramble, scrimp, and scrape, save for <laughs> this, that. Oh, no, no bueno. Absolutely. So now we're going to switch into our, what we call our rapid round segment. We're just going to ask you oh, a few quick fun. questions. Um, okay. So the first one is What are some financial apps and tools that you use to help keep your goals in line? So that's a great question. I actually don't use any. I know. Oops. Oh, wow. But I know because I, the thing is, okay, here's why, here is why. Mm-hmm. And as you get more money and as you become like, you know, finance, financial wellness and knowledge never stops. They have, it got all, I learned things every single day, every day. I learned something yesterday about money. But I, I think for my foundation has always been just save as much as you can and like live below your means. Like I've thought that way naturally. So I didn't, I didn't need like stat or um, digits or acorns. I, you know, the app started coming, but my mentality is still like, it's like kind of like 1995. Right. So, which, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing, but, but I am going to be doing a review soon on both my podcast and my YouTube channel on um, acorns and digits and if they're good tools. I will be doing that. Mint is good too. But you have to make sure, and I, I have used Mint in the past, mm-hmm. but you have to make sure that your accounts are all there because it's easy to lie if you are, you know, you have your, you have one big account yeah. on there, but the other one you're actually spending money on. But that's yeah. a great way to track your spending. Yeah. Okay. So Mint, I would recommend Mint. I don't know about Digits and Acorns, but I've heard wonderful things about them. Wonderful things. The Robinhood app I also heard is really great too. And yeah. that's if you want to get information on. Yeah. So I've heard, but I haven't experienced, but I will be, I'm going to get on the 21st century train, y'all. 
Okay. Well, we'll be looking out for that review. Well, <laughs> yeah, please, please, because yeah. Mm-hmm. To caveat that, you know, are there any specific like financial blogs or books that you would recommend for people who are just getting started? So, so many. In fact, on my uh, my, I have a YouTube channel now as well, and I actually have a whole um a whole link or a whole video on my favorite book. So I have a lot, but oh gosh, my I think the one I keep talking about so much, which is so funny because I haven't finished it yet, is called <laughs> Invested. I I've been reading this book for like six months. I'm reading a lot, but it's called um, Invested by Danielle Town, and. Her book, it, the, the idea of the book is to be read very slowly because you, you want to do the activities in the book. And I've been doing the activities in the book, which is why it's been taking me so long to finish it. Mm-hmm. But she talks about investing. Like her perspective is unique in that, in theory, she has so much access to uh, investing knowledge. Her dad's like some big-time investor, but she has no clue and no idea what to do, how to get started. And she's in a lot of debt, and she's trying to figure out ways. She's in the same position as so many of us are in. But she has an advantage, whereas it's her father. So she talked about that experience and what that was like, and her dad slowly introducing her to the market. And it's a it's a story, but it's it's a lot of knowledge in it. And she's like a regular, you know, she's a regular woman. She loves Mm -hmm. yoga, and she's like in her Lululemon, which I don't like. That's another story. She, but she's (laughs) she's a person who's actively participating in her life, right? She's doing those things that like millennial types like to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well. All right. Well, I can let me see what she can. I like doing those things too. I like I like sweet green every once in a while. I like so I like hearing that perspective. And I've been able to to confidently manage my own money because of that book. Like I opened up a Fidelity account and started my own brokerage account with some sucks because of her. Okay. Awesome. Because of that book. So okay. I, my big recommendation. That's my big one. I'm probably gonna anything, buy it. Motley Fool. Oh yeah, you should get it. Afford anything, Motley Fool. Those are also great blogs for like money, like real estate investing. Budgets are sexy if you need to start like budgeting and getting your money like right. I recommend those two for blogs. Okay. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. Who is like your favorite financial guru and why? Oh, my gosh. You guys are asking so many fun questions. <laughs> we tried. We tried. Really fun. <laughs> I would say I have two. Paula Pant of um, the um, Afford Anything. I know I talked about that, but she, I love her blog. is so like OCD type A, mm-hmm. very well. <laughs> it's it's. And she because what she does, she gives she gives numbers of how her money or how her homes, her properties have worked for her. Okay. She gives you like spreadsheets of like like the input and the output and she's very analytical but she's also funny she's really funny i like her humor she's okay. probably my favorite and jay money and he has the budgets are sexy oh yeah he's probably my favorite too. only because if you see this man <laughs> you would think that he was like a a guitarist for like some rock band in the mm-hmm. 90s he has a mohawk <laughs> he colored it like pink he has all these tattoos and for me it represents that financial wellness and financial know-how doesn't have to only be the yeah the white man in the suit and tie it can be the everyday person or the former rocker who just wants to have a better understanding of where his money is going and his he's really funny too he's really cool and humble okay and now they're rich too a lot of money wow (laughs) 
And, you know, we can always use more of that, you know. We can always use a little more coins. Amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The final question is, who is a boss girl that inspires you? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was, I, you know, I don't know if it's cliche, but my mom is probably one of my biggest, I don't think she even knows that. I probably should tell her. My mom worked really, really hard for us. Mm -hmm. Like I said, she used to work two jobs and we still live below the poverty line. And she would, um, she would go to church. Like I didn't really see my mom that much growing up. Like after her first job, she would come home for maybe an hour and cook something. Like my mom's not a great cook, no offense, but she would try to make something for us. <laughs> and then she would go to her other job. Like that's what she would do for us. Mm-hmm. And she used to wait outside at Cracker Barrel for me for like three hours or two, two hours waiting for me to get oh. off work because I didn't have a car. And she would pick me up from school and take me to work. And my mom was doing the most. And that's not her only child. She has two mm-hmm. others. Yeah. And we all have our unique issues and challenges. <laughs> oh, so my shout mom out to was mom. juggling. <laughs> Yeah, my mom, she was doing the most. I took her to the Bahamas for her 50th birthday a few years ago. That's so like, sweet. That's what, that's, what I'm saying. that's what money can do. It can, yeah. it can give you yes. the opportunity. My mom's never been on a cruise, never been out the country. So it was oh so my. great to see her, like, so excited. So now she's like, we got to go back. We got to go somewhere else. And my mom's <laughs> like, I'm like, whatever you want. So it's, my mom is definitely like, she's wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome that you were able to do that for her. And positive. Yeah, it is. I think this is one of my favorite answers to the boss girl. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, you'll stop. Money can do these things. That's what money can do. Money is not bad. Money is a tool for you to live the life that you want and to put people on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ladies, I just want to say that this has been a wonderful interview with Miss Ashley Copeland. Mm-hmm. We're so I'm excited to have pleasure. had you on. Thank you so much, Ashley. Oh, no. The pleasure is genuinely all my I had so much fun. They are so much fun, y'all. <laughs> Listeners. They're really fun. Thank you. Um, for our ladies, we will have all of the episode notes and links to Ashley's information in the episode notes. So make sure you click on those. We will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Bye. Bye.